Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. that too after last night Donald Trump Baker Mayfield Baker won the caucus (laughs) he came in second (laughs) you know uh, I mean this was a last night was a busy night you had you had two NFL games back-to-back you had the Iowa caucuses you had the primetime Emmys which, Which I think I think Beth may be the only person who watched this last night. I didn't even know it existed. I well, so the Emmys are usually uh, mid-September, but because of the the SAG strike and the WGA strike, they got postponed, they got moved, and they got moved to last night. Which this is usually kind of the movie and film award season with the Oscars and the SAG awards and the the Golden Globes that just happened last week. The biopics. I'm here, <laughs> guys. If you missed the Emmys. One of the best productions I think that they have done in years. I was here for it. I was here for it. You were here for it. I was here for. I was you there for it. I was here for it. I am here for it. The the Anderson guy Anthony that's Anderson. Anthony Anderson. Yeah. yeah, and his mom was even in the audience doing her mom thing, which was so adorable. He did a great job. Um, can I go ahead and say it, y'all? They did like a little, a little history of TV, and they did mm-hmm. these little vignettes where they brought together casts of really awesome shows. Everything from Cheers to Grey's Anatomy to my favorite moment of the night, which we can talk about later. I'll talk about it all day because I love the, the happy stuff. They brought back the cast of Allie McBeal dancing in the unisex bathroom. <laughs> the whole cast. And Callista Flockhart, she looked fantastic. And like little fish guy was there. And the, the dude that played Billy, her love, that uh, where'd he go? I hadn't seen him in a while. And they were dancing in the bathroom. So did you watch this whole thing live? Um, I couldn't stay up to watch everything live. So I... Um, I DVR'd it. No, I had my little YouTube TV record it. And because of our conversation yesterday, Jim Jim Zoki, I found it in my menu because it was saved to events. Events. It was saved in my events. Events is the little secret little place where they hide anything sports. (laughs) Or (laughs) award award shows. shows. Caucuses are probably in there. I don't know what all is in there. So I went to events and I watched some of the rest of it. But um, the cast from Succession, which Jim Zoki, Uh, I know I got you hooked on that show. They cleaned up last night. Everybody that was nominated won. That was such a great show. 
Oh, it's such a fantastic show. So here's the great thing about this show. This show, like nights like last night are what this show was built for today because you don't have a whole lot of time. You don't have time to watch all those things last night. When you couldn't because they were all happening at the same time. Exactly. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you the highlights of all of it today. Yeah, you give us, you know, your commute going into work. We'll hit them all because uh, we've got uh, we've got all kinds of highlights from the Emmys. We've got all kinds of highlights from the caucuses. And uh, then there were two NFL games last night. I'm wondering what the ultimate ratings for the the Emmys are going to be because it was up against NFL football last night and, and a doubleheader at that. And then the Iowa caucuses, you know, I, I know that, uh, that that this early in the process, it's somewhat uh, skewed towards political junkies. But this is there's a little more intrigue in this one this year because of uh, the circumstances. So there is uh, all kinds of drama from last night. Uh, there is one less person in the presidential race. Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out last night because uh, he came in a distant fourth place. And uh, now uh, we can look forward to the Elite Eight. Can we call it the Elite Eight, you know, to borrow a March Madness phrase for the, the NFL? Because that's where we are heading into or next Or the weekend. divisional round. Yeah. <laughs> can we call it the super-duper divisional round? Yes. they would. The, the NFL would appreciate it. Probably sue you for using that, though, oh. using the word super. But let's see here. So uh, all kinds of so so on on Saturday you can watch the uh, quarterback that the Panthers didn't take, uh, C.J. Stroud, play in the second round of the playoffs. On Saturday night you can watch Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> The Panthers let go of. <laughs> on Sunday, you can watch Baker Mayfield. Who we also traded. And uh, on, on Sunday night, uh, the Chiefs and the Bills. We and, released him. We released him. The Chiefs and the Bills. I, I mentioned and this last And we watched A.J. Klein tackle everybody. I cannot believe that this stat is real. But Sunday night in, in Buffalo, the Chiefs head to Buffalo. And what will be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game of his career? Which that when I heard that that surprised me. How long has he been playing? It's six years. I believe it's six, six, six years. years. Six I mean, holy Pajoli! That means that he's really good, and his team has been really yeah, good. They're always like the number one seed. So. Yeah. So every playoff game he's played up until next weekend will either have been in Arrowhead Stadium or at a neutral site. So, mm-hmm. and 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 to add a little more juice to it, he goes to Buffalo, where they play. They've played some really. You know that that, that rivalry is uh, is intense. And Taylor this game... Swift might get hit with a snowball. Oh uh, well. <laughs> you know what? If I had been well, in Buffalo, <laughs> oh wait, go ahead. You well, just... somebody held up a sign in Buffalo yesterday. Said, "Hi Taylor, we'll see you next week." <gasps> because now Taylor, if she's going to go to the game, and I guess she'll be uh, sitting in the uh, the uh, the suite with. Uh, with the Kelsey brother, because if Philadelphia lost last they night. They lost, so now it's not going to be a Super Bowl rematch like last year. If I were in the stands there, I would take my vanilla flavoring and my condensed milk, and I would sit there in the stands and just make the big pile of snow in front of me, just turn it into snow cream, and then I could save money on concessions. I thought Bo had the vanilla flavoring. Oh, I got plenty. You need it. <laughs> I, I can see it right here. You got a ticket to ride, Beth Troutman. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dissonant chords, guys. I, I've been getting on my own nerves. I've been singing this for so long because I woke up like half an hour before my alarm went off today. Who's singing this, by the way? The Carpenters. Okay. It feels like it's the Carpenters. Just waiting for Burt Bacharach to shine in. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. <laughs> All right, 613 on News Talk 1110 WBT. <laughs> Boomer Von Cannon. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? Hey, great. How's it going this morning? You, you love the Carpenters. 
Did you, ever, uh, did you ever walk up a Carpenter song in your day? A few, yes, yeah. sir. A few, yes, sir. I, I figured as much. <laughs> Usually it would be a mild walk-up, too. You didn't yeah. come into it charging, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you would do something with Bachman Turner Overdrive or anything like that. <laughs> so, wait, start, give me the traffic, the beginning of it, in your best uh, I'm, I'm walking up a, a, a Carpenter song voice. Everything's very nice this morning on the interstates. You're, you're in a smooth start to your Tuesday. Looking very good on 85 southbound, though. It has some delays due to an incident on the ramp at exit 38 to I-77 south. Right on the shoulder. Everything's okay. Take your time. Everything will work out on the ramp from 85 southbound to 77 south with Cameron and Richard Carpenter. Sounds like Boomer's about to paint a Bob Ross paint. Oh, oh my gosh, I thought the exact same thing. Some happy little cars on the highway. News Talk 1110 WPT. WPT. 622 on News Talk 1110 WBT. And just like that, the Iowa caucuses are in the rear view. Doesn't feel like it should already be in our rearview mirror because it felt like the ramp up to it was so darn long. It feels like the caucuses should have lasted at least a week, but thank goodness they didn't, at least for the Iowans. Well, one week from today, the New Hampshire primaries. So now it all begins uh, like a whirlwind. Last night, President Trump, we wondered if he would get over the 50 percent mark, and he did. 51 percent to Ron DeSantis, 21 percent. Nikki Haley, 19, Vivek Ramaswamy way down at 7%. So President Trump last night taking the first of what he hopes will be many victory laps. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody our country to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators. If I go through every name, we'll be here all night, and everybody's going to get angry at me. But the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see Carrie Lake. Congratulations, Carrie. So that's the opening from Trump last night, and that was before the final numbers were known. Again, Trump uh, 51, Ron DeSantis 22, Nikki Haley 19. So Haley and DeSantis very close. What's interesting about uh, a week from now, Beth Troutman, is DeSantis is not even going to New Hampshire. He's headed straight to South Carolina. Meanwhile, Haley and Trump now go to New Hampshire. DeSantis had a very large contingent and went to every every county in, 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 uh, in Iowa uh, and end up 
you know, losing uh, by a large margin to Trump, but uh, he, he did score better than Haley. But he has not paid much attention at all to New Hampshire, and uh, now uh, Nikki Haley's going to try to make inroads next week. The initial CNN New Hampshire polling uh, looks like this. Trump at 39, Haley at 32, mm. and uh, Ron DeSantis at 5% there. And she could um, get even uh, more. And this is not surprising, given that Governor Sununu endorsed her. And now that Chris Christie is out of the race, a great deal of his support is expected to go her way. Now that Ramaswamy is out of the race, though, that could add some numbers to Donald Trump's um, percentage point for that polling there in, in New Hampshire. What what? Is interesting to me is yesterday when we had uh, Mick Mulvaney, former White House chief of staff under Trump, on our show, he predicted the outcome of Iowa almost exactly. He predicted that Ron DeSantis would come in second because he had a strong caucus team that was also the caucus team for Ted Cruz back in 2016 when Ted Cruz surprised everyone and won Iowa. So Mick Mulvaney had had the numbers um, almost exactly. He said that they would be close between Haley and DeSantis, which we saw at 21 percent, 19 percent for Nikki Haley. Um, Nikki Haley will have a great showing, I think, in New Hampshire. But as as Mick Mulvaney pointed out yesterday, South Carolina could be problematic for her and especially problematic given that she is the former governor of that state. So it's a three horse race rather than a four horse race because of Ramaswamy's decision last night. We'll get to what he said momentarily. Uh, also, we'll hear from DeSantis and Haley. DeSantis was not happy last night in the early going, especially with uh, uh, some members of the media, because he thought things were declared too early. Uh, so DeSantis, uh, like I said, not going to mess with New Hampshire much, but did have a, a, a decent showing last night. Nikki Haley also made comments last night, and uh, we'll let you hear what they all had to say as we continue to uh, corral all these numbers from Iowa. And Bo, you pointed out that DeSantis visited all 99 counties in Iowa, did not win a single one of those counties. That was one of the big headlines this morning. The morning after the Iowa caucuses for 20... 20- 24. I was talking to Winterbull yesterday afternoon, and I, you know, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, does it not feel good to be back in the normal cycle of things as it comes to elections? Because this is the first time, first time in eight years where we've had a traditional, somewhat traditional, I know only one side participated last night, but you know, you actually had Iowa caucuses and you had candidates after talking about how they did. You know, four years ago, the pandemic put a stop to a lot of that. Yeah. Four years ago, President Trump was the was the candidate. There was no real competition. And uh, so it's been eight years since I feel like Iowa felt like Iowa. Yeah. Well, for the Republicans, certainly. And like you said, because of the pandemic, it changed just the in-person nature of everything. Although this year, I think what promises to be a little less than the normal schedule wise, it's going to be uh, about right. And the fact that we can all do everything in person and that people aren't going to be wearing masks waiting in line. Yeah, I'm talking about like circadian rhythms of, yes, of, political, rhythm. of political junkies. At least something seemed uh, back to normal last night. I understand you're exactly right. I, I'm probably saying that jinxing the whole process. <laughs> Tomorrow <from here. laughs> we're going to find out something new. But this this is going to be probably one of the most fascinating election cycles, maybe in the history of our country, given everything that we're going to watch um, the former president go through with legal battles over the next several months, while simultaneously campaigning and going through the primary process. I think historians will look back at this and write 
novel after well book after book after book after book and paper after paper because this is going to be one that that changes the way we think about elections about our constitution about <laughs> how much the supreme court is involved all of those things agreed because the the legal um the, the, the legal entanglements or legal processes haven't really started to play out much yet. Uh, this this timeline we've talked about, about how it's going to intertwine with the primary process. So so fair point there. I agree with you. But at least for last night, yeah, it yeah. sort of felt like Iowa was supposed to feel like, even though the Democrats weren't involved, they moved their primary. But some semblance of what Iowa used to feel like. President Trump, the clear winner last night, 51 percent of the vote. Ron DeSantis, 21.2, number two. We love you, too. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. And like I said, he's headed to South Carolina. He's not messing with New Hampshire. Nikki Haley absolutely is. She's polling well there. She was not far behind DeSantis last night in third place at 19%. I want to congratulate President Trump on his win tonight. We have had an amazing 11 months here in the Hawkeye State. I came to Iowa early and and I kept coming back, even though the cold weather is brutal. <laughs> but the kindness of Iowans will never be lost on me. You're faithful, patriotic, and hardworking Americans. And I will forever be grateful for the time that we had. So all of the top three can can claim a victory of sorts, right? right. Uh, uh, Trump, obviously. DeSantis, uh, I think if he wouldn't have finished second, he would... Uh he would have some things to think about today. Haley, a close third. Then there's Vivek Ramaswamy, who last night at 7.7 percent decided to uh, to call it quits. And so I will stick to the truth tonight. The first hard truth, and this one's hard for me. I got to admit this. But we've looked at it every which way, and I think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And I think that that's just a hard fact that we're going to have to accept as a campaign. And the question then is, what do we do that is right for our country? And so Purv and I, we, we actually didn't make this contingency plan before everybody told us to. We said, no, we're not doing that. But we talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for 
me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. Okay, he said he had a couple of announcements. The second one was he's uh, 100% endorsing President Trump. Right. Not a surprise. Uh, that was sort of choreographed up until this point, but uh, he's out of the race, so now officially there are three. And I think most people believe that his, and not, not only because of his endorsement, but because of what kind of candidate he was, that most of his supporters will go over to Donald Trump. All right, so there you go, uh, the, the Iowa recap. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah. WBT, where business talks, presented by Ram Pavement. All right, the markets were closed for the MLK Day holiday yesterday, so I don't uh, have market numbers to go back to, but I can tell you what's immediately in the now and going forward. The pre-markets today, ahead of the market open in a few hours, Dow futures are down 165, S&P futures down 25, NASDAQ futures down 112. Well, and Beth here on a Tuesday morning. It's January 16th. Giving you all the details so you can hang out by the old water cooler if those things even exist anymore. Although, I'm looking at a water cooler. We have one right here. You and I talk around a water cooler every day. That's right. So uh, for all of you say, that's such a cliche phrase. Who stands around a water cooler? Not only do I talk about standing around one, I broadcast next to one. Yeah, you and I, we, we basically sit around one. Now, uh, the little secret is I never drink any of the water out of it. But uh, I, I do. I know. Well, that's because I want to leave some for you. Well, yeah, no, because you would be watering down your Dr. Pepper. Of course. I've got my uh, zero, I'm zero sugar Dr. Pepper regular there, Bernie. See, mm. you, you, you've, tur- you've, you've converted me. I'm all about this now. About Dr. Pepper? It's Dr. Pepper zero sugar. It's, you, know, you know, you have Diet Coke and you have Coke Zero. Uh-huh. This is Dr. Pepper's version of Coke Zero. It's Dr. Pepper zero sugar. Uh, Oh, so is Diet Coke and Coke Zero, those two are different? Yes. But they both have zero calories. Correct. So what's different? Taste. Just, just the kind of Coke, artificial sweetener they use? Why would I, they do that? I don't know the, the science of it. I just know that Coke Zero is supposed to taste kind of like regular Coke, but it's not regular Coke. You know, Diet Coke makes no bones about it. I'm not regular Coke. Right. Right. Do you know what? I'm talking about like my drink as a person. This is uh, this is going to be a, a weird thing to say out loud, but the artificial sweeteners in diet drinks and I'm sure zero drinks make my tongue feel like it has hair on it. It's like it makes my tongue feel hairy. If that's like a thing, I can't I can't handle artificial sweeteners. Well, then my tongue is a grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> you have a hairy tongue. Yeah. Do y'all know that feeling? You know, I'm talking about the hairy tongue feeling. That no, because diet... if I had that feeling, I wouldn't drink the diet drinks, and you know how much I drink them. Well, your tongue is probably numb from all of the yeah, diet drinks. You've is. lost all feeling in your tongue. I actually have no real taste. <laughs> it, it, you know, I just think I do. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, I do have a couple things I want to bring up here. Uh, here we are, back to where we were yesterday. But I think it's important to look. As much as we made about uh, the Peacock and uh, the streaming of the NFL game on Saturday night, you sort of knew this is where it was going to end up, right? 23 million people on average made the Dolphins and the Chief game the most streamed, not game, the most streamed event in United States history. The most streamed event I honestly, and shame on me, I was not expecting that. I thought more people would protest against this whole idea of having to sign up for Peacock and pay for Peacock in order to see this. And now, I mean, kudos to NBC because they are probably 
of the let's see 23 million there are probably 22 million new subscribers <laughs> to peacock because of this i think it's more in the direction of this is just how big the nfl is because i think there are a lot of people out there who did abstain from watching uh, in a, as a matter of principle on saturday night I think a lot of people didn't watch this, and still they get this number. 23 so, million people. We had people write us yesterday letting us know that they did not want to pay the fee to stream and to, to subscribe to Peacock. So I bet I bet the sports bars were full so that people could go and watch the game without having to buy. I mean, I have, I'm sure we all have these people that you know. Like uh, you, you see people say, I'm not going to watch that game. And then you have people in the category of if they say they're not watching that game, that's really a big deal. Big sports fans. Yeah. And I had some friends that I saw on social media who, who did that. And I thought, wow, I can't believe they're not watching this game. So if there are – I mean, there have to be a good number of people out there. So if you added those people to this number, think how high this number would be. But I, I'm not surprised at all because this is why NBC did what they did because there is nothing more popular in America than the National Football League. Well, and it got us all talking about the Peacock app. For people who didn't know that NBC had a streaming app, for people who didn't want a streaming app from NBC, everybody, all of us, we've all been talking about the Peacock app. And how many of those people do you think were Swifties? We're Swift well, fans. And, and, and seriously, that was the other brilliant move here. And I don't think it got talked about enough. The game that they picked to do this, not yeah. just a playoff game, and, and say what you will about Taylor Swift, but there's a contingent of people of, a, of the fandom that is now the NFL that did not care about the NFL unless Taylor Swift might be seen in, in the rafters. Mm-hmm. And for the NFL, that's a, that's a piece of the pie they didn't have before. So, I, I, like I said, I didn't hear much chatter about this last week, but there's a reason why they chose that game on Saturday night, and it's not all just because of who was on the field. I subscribed and then canceled after the game. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I didn't even know that was an option. So you yeah. paid like the six ninety nine and then canceled it? Yep. Okay. I see. I see. Look <laughs> at you, little smarty pants. But see, uh, you'll, you'll, like, you'll get it for... You know, several more days, that's right? right? Yeah, so that's so right. you just yeah. had to make sure you canceled it before you forgot about it. That's right. Is what you did. That's exactly right. Do you know what would be a brilliant move is if the Kansas City Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl again, they should just boot Usher and convince Taylor <laughs> Swift to do the halftime show. Can you imagine oh, yeah. the that's entire a, world would be watching that? That's a smart idea. And just have her, like, uh, just make it be like it's spontaneous, like she gets up, oh, and walks down. Like, and, from the from the from like yeah. the suite and walks down with her acoustic guitar. Like, Usher starts and is doing the moonwalk or doing a Michael Jackson impersonation, and then mm. he moonwalks right off the stage, <laughs> and she well, comes on. Nobody wants you. to watch him anyway. If they if they if she stays in her suite and they crunch the numbers, uh, the shots of her collectively in the suite sitting watching will get higher ratings than the Usher performance. <laughs> Usher, yeah, I'm they telling might you. as well keep a steady cam I'm and be more screen. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. The bottom line is, like I said when I started, not the most streamed game, the most streamed event, event. in history. Which means all the other networks are going to do the same thing when they get the opportunity. Oh, we're going to be clamoring for so it. Get and ready. in all honesty, I like Usher, so I, I, I but. But I'd much rather watch Taylor Swift. I just well, needed to put uh, that out there. You know, I like if it. The, if the right teams make the championship. You like everybody. <laughs> Almost. Good morning. Seven minutes past seven o'clock on WBT this Tuesday, January 16th. And like the Zoak said, a big night for Josh Allen. Play clock down under 10. Game clock at 7.15. Ball spotted at the 47-yard line. Isabella in motion. Allen takes the snap. Now he'll keep it himself. Running to his left. He runs inside the numbers. Gets to the 40. Cuts to his left to the 30. 25-20. Big man inside the 15. 
and he gives the Bills a 20 to nothing lead, and snowballs go flying in the air yet again. I have to say, it was a pretty cool scene yesterday. They got the game in. The field was fine because it was covered. Field but the stands, <laughs> the stands are basically, go carve yourself a chair. It was like little fireworks would go off every time they had a big yeah. play. These little snowballs thrown in the air like confetti. So it was cool. I mean, it's cool to watch on TV. Do you think they lost money on concessions because people didn't have to buy bottled water or anything? They just suck <laughs> yeah. on the snow. And just <laughs> <laughs> you buy a bottle of water, it immediately turns into a chunk of ice in yeah, your hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the seats were crazy, and the, the depth of the snow. And and people were there. Hey, I mean, we can't get people it. here in the rain. There, people were sitting in piles of snow forts. They were. We sitting can't in get people here on a sunny day. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, uh, in our jerseys, at least. I mean, it. Well, yeah, true. Uh, and and next week, this now sets up. I, the, the stat of the the stat of the weekend to me is still Patrick Mahomes has never played in a road playoff game. Now he has to because by virtue of that win last night, Buffalo now hosts the Chiefs in the fourth game next weekend. And uh, I mean, look, this has got to be the NFL's dream to get this matchup uh, the way Buffalo is playing, and uh, and so it sets up uh, the weekend four games, the divisional round. And before I get to that, let's get to the game last night that uh, put uh, a former Carolina Panther in. Next weekends on third and seven, pressure up the middle. Mayfield lobs it up, and it's caught at the goal line. Chris Godwin almost fair caught that rainbow from Baker Mayfield. 23 yards and the exclamation point, punching Tampa Bay's ticket to Detroit. That's the Westwood One Radio Network, and uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks have no problem with the Philadelphia Eagles, who started ten and one, and then lost six of their last seven games. Or is it seven? Of, I lost count. Six of seven. Six of seven, and so uh, now the Bucks. Actually, five of six. My bad. But the Bucks will now play at the Lions Sunday at 3 on NBC and then the Chiefs at the Bills on CBS. The Saturday uh, two games, Texans at Ravens at 4.30 on ESPN and the Packers at the 49ers, 8 o'clock on Fox. So here's the hot sports take. I mean, if the Bucks are playing the Lions, the Lions are getting two playoff games at home. Mm-hmm. And they and that's the first time since, what, 92? I think it's 91. 91? Look at yeah. me knowing some stuff. <laughs> they might win two games, two playoff games at home. Home. I say way to go, Lions. Uh, That's my prediction. They've been waiting a long time. Your prediction is way to go? But, no, that they're going to beat the oh, Bucks. They're going to win. They're going to beat the Bucks <laughs> in Detroit. If you're not in some way happy for the for Detroit and the Lions, you have you, no you're, heart. You're just mad at the world, yeah. right? You're grumpy. Things are going so well. You know, Michigan won the national championship. The Lions won. Even the Pistons won a game last night. That's how good things are going in Detroit because they're four and thirty-five. Um, so that uh, that town is going nuts right now, and, uh, and good for them because it's been, as you said, as big of a drought as there's been in pro football for them to finally come through and, and stick with their coach, uh, yes. who's just great. I mean, yeah. Dan Campbell's just so fun. They have great helmets. Their helmets are <laughs> yeah. a lot. It's, it's good. It's a good little glow. That's her, her other hot take prediction. Great helmets. <laughs> They're going to win. And there'll be no snow because they're inside. Can I ask a question? Because I don't know how the team matchups um, go. Can the Lions end up in the Super Bowl against Kansas City? They could. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's my prediction for the Super Bowl. Kansas City and Mark Detroit? Mark the tape. Yep, Kansas hey, City and hey, Detroit. It's, it's, it's absolutely possible. Mark the tape with a grease pencil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have that now. Not digital. Uh, but, yeah, it's been. I think it's a fun 
a series of uh, matchups coming. It's it's interesting how many of these games are blowouts. I thought the Detroit game was actually the most obviously entertaining game with the Rams uh, going down to the wire uh, with them, but there wasn't much drama in any of these games. The other six games were just like so one-sided, which is surprising uh, because of the quality of the teams that were in this one. And then you look down the list here. I mean, the Texans are a, a surprise. Uh, the Packers are a surprise. Mm-hmm. The Bucks, obviously, who had them getting there. And then, of course, you have the Chiefs and the Bills and the and the the, the story of the Lions. Uh, kind of a refreshing sort of mix of teams. I mean, it's not the same old, same old. Except if you love the Chiefs, they're still there, and the and the Bills are still there. So for those of you who have, who like how it's been, you've got your game. But then you have uh, you have some fan bases that really haven't experienced this in a long, long time. Right? They have whiplash. Because they're like, huh? <laughs> We're still watching games in January for yeah. our teams? All right. So we told you uh, that, I mean, there's no way you could have watched everything happening last night. No. You had the Iowa caucuses. You had two NFL games. You also had, I have no I don't understand the scheduling choice here. Uh, the Emmys happened last night. Because it's and, art people. It's artsy people. They didn't know football was happening. I will say this. <laughs> I'll say this. Like we didn't know the Emmys were happening. Right. It's a shame because, look. A lot of these award shows have lost me in recent years because they've gotten too political. Uh, and that's not to say that, I mean, every every award show is going to have some element of that. But they went back last night to doing some things that I think would, would bring people back into the fold if they did more of it, i.e. reunions. It was the best award show production that I have seen in years. And because so much was happening last night... We watched everything for you so mm-hmm. that we can give you the breakdown of what happened. We did not sleep. This no. Kind of like the NFL red zone of all the topics it going is. on in the world. You get little snippets of uh, the best of except, what happened. Except yeah. I can't say I can't say five hours of commercial free radio start. That, that you know that's not true. So no. I can't be Scott Hansen full force. <laughs> no. But I can. Uh, but you're right. From the standpoint of you, you get the highlights like the red zone. If you didn't watch the Emmys last night, and I'm going to go out on a limb and predict a lot of you didn't. We got some of the highlights coming up. I thought up Billy Crystal was fantastic. <laughs> no, it wasn't Billy Crystal this time. Kevin Anderson. You mean uh, Anthony Anderson. I mean, Anthony Anderson. <laughs> Kevin Anderson. Oh, he's a friend of Bill Napier. Oh, he's he, he was an editor I once worked with, actually. <laughs> What's up, Kev? <laughs> All right, uh, traffic now. Here's Boomer Von Cannon. Hey, I'm with you. Let's do the Red Zone Emmy Awards. There you go. Or maybe the Cause, Oscars. Because who else is going to do that? <laughs> I miss Red Zone already, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, boy. I wonder if Vince heard that. Well, he ha- if he... He has now, because we know, we all know Vince is listening. Of course. Vince McMahon's listening. <laughs> I like how I designated a promo before it became a promo. That's right. Well, I love that it did, in <laughs> fact, become a promo. You predicted you it. You said it. It had, it had to come to fruition. <laughs> uh, Bo and Beth and the Zoke and John Moore and Bernie. Iowa caucuses last night. You had, uh, you had NFL football last night. You also had the primetime Emmys last night. I have no idea why they scheduled them on a night when it competed with NFL football and, and politics, but uh, it is what it is. And reunions were quite the deal last night. It was the best production. If you're a TV person um, who has loved uh, all of the shows that have happened, I mean, since really since the 70s, the, uh, they went through, they paid homage to the Facts of Life, to the Twilight Zone, which that's well before the 70s, mm-hmm. um, to Cheers, to Grey's wait, Anatomy. Wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Cheers. Ah, this feels nice to be here in front of all of you. Thank you. Uh, look, Ted, don't you just think of it as a 
long overdue class reunion. Huh? And being together brings back some great memories of a show we're all very proud of. Yeah, and if somebody has the envelope, we can present the award. Uh, yeah, uh, that hey. one right here. Oh, oh, Georgie Porgy. I feel like that's the same way we do it with, with Bernie. Yes. Bernie! Bernie! <laughs> so the great thing about the way that they did this, they had the set from those from those shows on the stage. So Ted Danson was behind the bar. The guys mm -hmm. were sitting at the bar. Frazier standing there at the bar. They had um, the folks from uh, the Sopranos there. Mm -hmm. They had... I mean, the Grey's Anatomy operation set, the, the whole thing was so well produced. Arsenio Hall came out and presented, and they had the like the famous <laughs> the doors. doors, like the yes. Art Deco doors that he would stand in front of to do his monologue on the Arsenio Hall show. Let me, uh, let me get mean, a clip of the one you uh, like the best. Okay, here is one of my favorite moments. Toward the end of the show, they brought together the cast of Ally McBeal. Thanks off. I had to put my dress back on. Oh. Whoa. Girl, you look good. Now, members of the old cast are coming out of the unisex bathroom. Yeah, and all the dudes are in one stall together, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> but one of the famous things that happened on Ally McBeal is Peter McNichol would hear a Barry White song in his head and dance. And here they go. I loved this moment so much. Allie McBeal was a huge part of my college life. We did a Monday night watch party every Monday, my girlfriends and I, and we would watch Allie McBeal. And to see all of these folks dancing to a Barry White song up to the microphone in the unisex bathroom, it made me giddy with happiness. <laughs> Uh, one more reunion before we head to the bottom. Uh, let's go back to the 70s. All in the Family reunited Rob Reiner and Sally Struthers. Sa you know, Sally and I were part of a unique television family. Oh! Yes. Wow! Yeah, we're... Thank you. Uh, and not just, we were part of a, a very unique family. Not just the Bunkers, but Norman Lear's uh, extended family. Yeah. Over the, over the decades, Norman brought us together and he created groundbreaking television shows that, that depicted real people, made us laugh, made us think, made us feel. And there's a Yiddish word that describes Norman's genius. It's kokluffel. For all you non-Jews out there, a kokluffel... <laughs> a kokluffel is a ladle, a ladle that stirs the pot. And uh, when Norman the Cuckluffle stirred that pot, he wound up changing American culture. Tonight, as we remember the legends of our industry we lost this past year, we celebrate their lives and legacy and the joy they brought to us. So to all of the members of all of our television families who have passed on, those, those were, were the, the days. days.
Oh. So that gives you a taste of some of the reunions last night. An idea I think they should run with, because yes. I'd be more interested in these shows if they did stuff like that. It was a brilliant production last night, and the big winners, Succession, their last season, all of the actors who were nominated won for uh, Best Actor, Kieran Culkin, uh, Best Supo- Best Actress, Sarah Snook, and Best Supporting Actor. Um, his name has escaped me, the guy that played uh, Sarah Snook's husband. Tom. Tom, the and guy the who played Tom. Uh, the other big winner, <laughs> The Bear. I don't know his name. <laughs> the loser. The loser last night was uh, anybody who... uh Nobody saw this because the NFL was on and and, and the Iowa caucuses. So I'd love to see the the ratings. But the loser is the guy who scheduled that on the same night. I know. And, man, if you are are an awards show fan and you didn't watch last night, go back and find it because it's an awards show worth watching. Next year, ALF reunion. (laughs) Ah, I'm there for it. What is ALF doing today? Can you you phone Melmac, Jimbo? (laughs) It's time for Order Up Dirty Restaurant Tuesday. Waiter, there's a fly in my soup. Could you do something about it? All right, usually we do this an hour later. We had to move some things around today, so a special early edition of Dirty Restaurant Tuesday. Yeehaw. Mark Garrison, back yes, in action today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like it this time because that means I don't have to wait so long. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. We're introducing it to a whole new audience in this hour. There you go. That's right. And you can also listen to it anytime on demand on our podcast page. So oh, okay. There you go. Well, our first one is a joint called Fonda La Taquiza. Oh. Fancy name. Yeah. Low score, 86. <laughs> They're on Albemarle Road. And I love this. The inspector says, the person in charge decided not to finish going over the inspection with me. I guess he just was like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> After he got under 90, he was like, well, this is going to yeah, be he's bad. Like, Yeah, we lost. <laughs> well, so, be, will you be grading on a curve, sir? <laughs> Uh, observe multiple problems that could uh, cause foodborne illness there at the restaurant. Uh, they were not keeping dates on their shellfish. Ah, oh. some of on which, shellfish? Yeah, some of which, you know, you serve raw, like oysters. I'm sorry, that's shellfish of them, because... <laughs> Very shellfish. <yeah. laughs> oh. Beth has dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're Beth jokes. <laughs> uh, observed raw chicken stored with raw pork. Yeah, Ugh, starting a trend, I guess. Observed. This is funny. On the kids' menu, it said, "Hey, kids, we'll serve it to you raw." Well, that you can't do that. You can't feed kids raw hamburger. What? What? If Why they would they give them raw, raw hamburger? Or under- is that a sushi option? Yeah, <laughs> raw hamburger. Yeah, I guess you you know you can do it with adults raw, you know, undercooked, but not with kids. <laughs> but you get this coloring book with it. Uh, you color it green when you're growing up. <laughs> oh. uh, observe pinto beans and carne asada that had been holding for quite some time at the wrong temperature, and the beans and some beef had to be thrown out. Uh, the cold holding unit wasn't even working. Oh. There you go. And they had uh, chicken, barbacoa, and cooked cactus. I've never had that before. Cactus? All, yeah. None of it had a date on it. But it was cooked, at least. Yeah. A cactus. Uh, Is that something you, Fred Flintstone you, used to have? Have you had cactus before? I've never even heard of it. I haven't either. No. I'm pretty sure. because well, Yeah, I lived in Phoenix, so I'm pretty sure I ate cactus because nothing else grew there. It kind of hurt <laughs> with your rattlesnake. They took out the they took out the pricklies. You, you can pick your teeth with it while you're <laughs> yeah. eating. Man. You floss whilst eating. Whilst. And they had one live insect, an unidentified insect that was crawling on the wall, and a dead one in a sanitizer bucket. So I love that go. it's unidentified. We couldn't <laughs> tell what it was. We have to notify the next of kin. So that's a Funda Latakiza <laughs> on Albemarle Road and 86. I am not Fonda of that. No. <laughs> Seriously, bad joke. <laughs> That's two. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, the Chicken King, number 20. I didn't know there were 20 of them. Wow. The Chicken King, number 20 on Nations Ford Road. They had a 90, but for a 90, they had a lot of problems. Observed employees not washing their hands properly. In fact, one didn't even bother to use soap. Why do so many people have so much trouble washing hands? Hey, it when you're the like... Chicken King, you don't have to do nothing like that. <laughs> you're the, the Chicken King. king. <laughs> Observed an employee handling raw beef patties and then start handling a customer's ready-to-eat sandwich without washing. Oh, my gosh. Raw beef on my bun. I don't want it. I don't want it. We don't want raw beef on your buns either, Beth. Uh, Let's see here. They had a filthy microwave oven. There was no date at all on the uh, coleslaw, tomato salad, sliced and diced tomatoes, hard-boiled eggs, open hot dogs, you name it. It did not have a date on it. Beth made another promo. <laughs> Beth is blushing over Like how Mark just like continued to like plowed right through that I love thing. when Beth, Beth tells a joke and then a few minutes later she gets it. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't meant we, to We be. all stopped talking because HR was like looming down the hall. We went from sugar Beth to dirty Beth and no, she didn't even know it. That wasn't meant to be a joke. I that didn't was, want. That was sugar daddy Beth. <laughs> sugar daddy oh, Beth. Oh, yeehaw. What? So that's the chicken king number 20. Hey, chicken king. You yeah, can do whatever right. you want. And they had a 90. And hey, one king. more here. <laughs> this one's gross. Uh, our friends, the health inspectors, also inspect nursing homes and rehab oh, centers. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. The Monroe Rehabilitation Center in the Union County in 84. And they had a bunch of water. This is strange to me. A bunch of, I guess, for emergency use, and it had expired last year so they were going they had old water as a backup i've oh. never heard of such thing. i didn't anyway. know that water had an expiration date i, I mean, didn't either now you, you know just boil it they had microbial <laughs> growth in the ceilings oh mm. that means nasty stuff well that could cause some really bad respiratory issues that's exactly right uh no soap at the uh, hand sinks uh observe several unclean shower chairs in several of the rooms that's oh, kind of no. that's sad right and now this is this is bad. Pill crushers where they crush pills uh-huh. for the elderly, yeah. uh, they were dirty. Mm. No. So you're giving oh. these poor folks dirty pills. You're, you get uh, extra ingredients. Uh, <laughs> mattresses were stained, a pillow in disrepair, beds unclean, visibly soiled. This was like the nursing home from the pit. So that's a Monroe Rehab Center on Sunset Drive in 84. Oh, mm. I'm hurting in my heart. No, Beth is, yeah, but she's thinking about sending her mother-in-law there. <gasps> that, got, that took a dark turn. I would never do that. Carol? <laughs> that's not what I hear. <laughs> All right. There you go. What? She's got a family. <laughs> that took a dark turn. <laughs> that's Craig's mom. That's Craig's mom. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mark. Yes, sir. <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So it's now off to New Hampshire, a great place. We won it last time, and uh, we won it both times and uh, we love it the people are great but you know the truth is the people in our country are great they're all great uh, we love iowa but they're all great they only want to see one thing they want our country to come back 
They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at. All over the world, they're laughing at us. And they want our country to come back. They want America, you know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. 51% last night, President Trump gets over half the vote. Ron DeSantis, uh, second place at 21. Nikki Haley, third, 19. And uh, there's no point in going any further than that because the fourth guy is out. Ramaswamy dropped out last night after a 7% showing. We bring on Brett Winterbull, host of the Brett Winterbull Show, uh, crunching the numbers. And uh, first of all, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, Iowa is in the rear view, and now we're a week away from New Hampshire. What are you thinking on this uh, this Tuesday morning? Well, um, one of the things that I think is interesting is in Iowa, you, you go to the caucus, so everybody knows how you're kind of voting. They know how you're uh, doing your thing. Once you get to uh, New Hampshire, you know, it's it's basically an anonymous ballot. You, you can vote however you want to vote. And I'm, I'm curious to see what those numbers look like between those two places. Uh, obviously, it was a relatively smaller uh, uh, turnout, may, may have been the smallest in, in, in a very long time. That's attributable to people who maybe felt like um, the, 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 it's a fait accompli. Uh, the weather was certainly a factor. Everybody was talking up the weather for the last uh, 10 days. Um, so I think uh, watching what happens in... Uh, New Hampshire is going to be very interesting. Yeah, the latest poll out of New Hampshire has Nikki Haley at 32 percent and the former president, Donald Trump, at 39 percent. We all know that Nikki Haley, you know, was endorsed by Governor Sununu there. But also now that Chris Christie is out of the race, people are predicting that his supporters will go toward her. But we now know, too, that Vivek Ramaswamy has suspended his campaign. He did that last night after only a 7 percent showing. And many people believe his supporters will turn their support toward the former president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, th- you'll start to see this uh, coagulation. But the issue for Nikki Haley is Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis is making his way uh, to South Carolina. Um, and he wants to try to make a stand uh, there as well. So it's nobody's really nipping it at Trump's heels. It's really going to be a battle between what you have happening with uh, Nikki Haley and uh, DeSantis. You know, it's interesting because uh, we're at that point now where, you know, on a weekly basis, we're going to hear these stump speeches after Mm -hmm. after these battles. And last night you heard a very, very uh, conciliatory Trump. You heard uh, I mean, he was he was uh, you don't often hear that side of him actually on the campaign trail. But he he made a point to thank everybody and and acknowledge everybody. Now, uh, a week from now, uh, is he saying the same thing? How is this all going to go? Is he trying to bring everybody under the tent now? I don't know, but I did notice something when he was speaking last night. He he singled out somebody who we all forgot about. He he called out um, uh, Bergam from North Dakota. Mm. He said that speci- he said, and the governor out there from from North Dakota. That uh, I, I don't know if that's a tell or not. Remember, one of the big pillars of his of his fight is going to be energy independence. Bergam was not exciting by any stretch of the imagination. He's actually kind of pensy. Uh, he's a billionaire and he's uh, somebody who has uh, got a lot of ideas. I'm wondering uh, what that potentially foreshadows. You know, I, I, I noticed that and we have, we, you know, Bergram came out and, and endorsed Trump. I also noticed that he singled out Carrie Lake oddly. Um, in, in a, <laughs> exactly. Wait, wait, who, who, who did he, who did he, who was that, who's that second name? <laughs> you know, you know, the, uh, that, that, the, the, the TV, the that TV era, lady? Yes. The one 
who is standing on the front row saying, me, 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 I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, sure. You know what? I understand there's an opening uh, for an ambassadorship to El Salvador. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Crossing the streams. We do yeah. it twice a day, presented by PhD Weight Loss. Awesome. Uh, we will check in with you this afternoon. I know it's going to be a great show. Uh, all of these shows this time of year are going to be just uh, amped up as uh, callers and mm -hmm. uh, and your reaction uh, in more long form to what happened last night. And here we go with uh, New Hampshire next week. My best to uh, Congressman Hudson. Looking forward to hearing from him. That's right. Richard Hudson, 9th District U U.S. Congressman from North Carolina, will be in studio for the entire next hour. He'll have reaction to all of this, too, here on WBT. Six minutes past eight o'clock here on News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman on this Tuesday, January 16th, the morning after the Iowa caucuses. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. That's President Trump last night. 51% of the vote, so a big win in Iowa, and that's followed by Ron DeSantis, 21%, Nikki Haley in third place at 19, and Vivek Ramaswamy uh, made the decision to get out of the race because of his 7% fourth place finish last night, all of which to set up, uh, what an exciting morning to have a U.S. congressman in the House, in the studio, district number nine, and he's no stranger to this station, he is Congressman Richard Hudson. Welcome back to the studio. Hey, good morning. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited that you're here, and I, I want to point out how um, lovely you are, that you ended up, this is kind of my birthday present, that you came in to, to hang out in the studio with us, because you sent me a text on my birthday last week, and you're like, how exciting. And I said, well, you know what would be a great present is if you would actually join us on the show, and then here you are. Thank Here you. I am. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving the I whole know, hour long. The whole hour long. So I appreciate the fact that you made time for us today, especially on such a big political day. I mean, I'm looking up at the screens above us. We have Nikki Haley is on CBS Mornings um, after coming in third in the Iowa caucus. What are you thinking as you're looking at these numbers? I mean, Trump won with more than 50 percent. Um, and now we're headed into New Hampshire a week from today. Well, I think, you know, the president had a resounding victory last night, and it wasn't a surprise to me. I was one of the first members of Congress to endorse the president uh, because his policies made us safe and made this country strong. And, you know, I think uh, President Biden and the Democrats are going to try to make this election about personalities. I think ultimately it's going to come down to the policies. And the American people, I think, have made up their mind that President Biden's policies have made their lives uh, much harder. Things cost much more. Uh, we are less safe in the world. We have a wide open border. I mean, just uh, and, and so when you compare your life when Trump was president to your life today, I think the American people are going to return President Trump to office. Were you surprised by the order of the finish last night? I wasn't that surprised. You know, we've seen Nikki Haley surge. And so um, I think that was really the only question mark of last night was would Nikki Haley finish second or third? And, you know, I think it's, it's very close between her and, and Governor DeSantis. I think New Hampshire, she's obviously got an advantage. Um, but, but at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about who's finishing distant second and distant third. Uh, President Trump is, is going to be the nominee. My question now is, and if you heard President Trump, uh, it, we've been listening to moments of his, uh, his speech last night, and it's the most conciliatory 
sounding Trump that I've heard in a while. And, yeah. you know, he thanked the other people that were in the race. Um, he talked about uh, bringing everybody together. And I wonder, you know, we got a week till New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis is not even going to New Hampshire. He's headed straight to Florida. I'm sorry, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, Haley's going there because the, the polling that we see there is a lot closer between those two. But um, what what is Trump's strategy as he as, as we expect will pick up more of these victories? What will he try to do as it relates to the Republican Party at large? Well, I've been impressed with President Trump uh, this time around. I think he's running a much more disciplined campaign. They had a, a very professional organization in Iowa, which I think helped contribute to the results we see there. Um, but I think you know the president's had President Trump has had an opportunity to really think through this. You know, he's he's been out of office for three years now. Um, I think that he's used that time well, and I, and I think we are seeing a more disciplined, more focused President Trump. Um, I, I really, you know, I thought the town hall he did on Fox News uh, about a week ago, he did a really good job of, of talking about the stakes for the country, talking about the fact that it's, it's not about him, it's about the American people. Um, and I thought, I agree with you, I thought last night he did a good job of, of uh, recognizing Governor Bergen, um, who was there supporting him, uh, recognizing the others. I think he looks uh, presidential. I think he is he is going to be the nominee, and he understands that. And uh, and, and so I, I think uh, I'm excited to get this primary done and, and get get onto the main show. You were right about the uh, the town hall. I kept saying last week that he had a it was a good night for him to have a good night, leaving it leading into the uh, the Iowa caucus. Do you think? And, you know, it's hard to think about the primaries coming down the road and not think about some of the um, coinciding legal battles that are going to happen along with his campaign trail. Do you see that benefiting Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis if uh, one or the other you know, cho- chooses to stay in the race against him? Do you think that some of the, the voters who may have been Trump supporters turn to a DeSantis or turn to an alternative like Nikki Haley? Well, I think the American people see these prosecutions for what they are. They're political. Um, you know, there's no basis for them. And I think that's why every time Trump got a new indictment, you saw his poll numbers soar. I think it's because the American people reject these kind of political interventions through the courts. I think that's that's one of the big indictments on the Biden administration is, is you've got, you know, the, the history of this country. What's great about this country is everyone's equal under the law. And uh, institutions like the FBI and the Department of Justice and our court system need to remain neutral. And it, it, regardless of your party affiliation or your socioeconomic status or where you live, uh, you ought to be get the same fair treatment in court. And I think the American people are seeing that's not the case right now. And, and I think that's why you're seeing President Trump do so well is because the American people are sick of it. They believe he's the one person who'll stand up to to the system and uh, and restore it the way it used to be. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here in studio today with Congressman Richard Hudson from District Number 9. You know, the last time we talked to you uh, was by phone almost a year ago, right after uh, you know, the big uh, the Kevin McCarthy battle for speaker and then the Mike Rogers incident. And you had to, you know, you intervene and we had you on talking about that situation. It's crazy to think all that's happened since then. I mean, obviously, McCarthy's gone. Now you have uh, Mike Johnson in there. And uh, I guess... Uh, what 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 about the last year since we last talked? I mean, how how are you liking the new speaker? Are you surprised that we've already moved on to another new speaker? I mean, stuff happens quickly there in D.C. Yeah, things things move fast. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like Ferris Bueller's day <laughs> off. Um, no, it, it's it, it's been a wild year, and you know one of the things uh, I've 
I've picked up on is, you know, Republicans, we like to have our fights out in the front yard where all the neighbors can see it. Uh, it's kind of messy. Uh, but, you know, unlike the Democrats in Congress who kind of line up behind their leader and do what they're told, our, our people are all kind of independent-minded. Uh, you know, but we all ran for office uh, to because we were worried about the direction of this country, and we wanted to, to put us on a new path. And and so at the end of the day, we were able to come together and uh, and and, uh, and get things done. You know, we've we ran last election on a, a commitment to America pledge, and and we've we've been able to pass legislation like HR one, which is our energy bill, and HR two, uh, HR five is the Parents' Bill of Rights. Um, you know, we we've kept the promises we made to the American people as House Republicans. Uh, you know, we can't control the Democrat Senate and the Democrat in the White House. Uh, so a lot of that legislation hasn't become law yet. But I think by doing what we told the American people we would do, uh, they're going to tr- we're going to have trust built with them when we go back this election and ask them to give us a bigger majority. Have you been frustrated by the the small group of Republicans that have kind of I mean, some people would describe it as going rogue or not really coming together that has kept you all from maybe passing more legislation and, 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 and being less effective than you could have been if they had uh, maybe been more willing to come to the center or more willing to come to the table with negotiation points? Has that been a, a point of frustration for Republicans? And what are the conversations behind closed doors when you look at the number of bills passed over this last congressional session versus other sessions in the past? It, it is frustrating when you have these family discussions where, again, we, we share the same goals. You know, yeah. We want to reduce spending. We want to end inflation. We want to make the country safer. Um, we want to end the woke policies in the federal government. There's so many goals we share uh, but, you know, I, we've had what's been described as a civil war on tactics where, you know, we fight tooth and nail about how to get there. Um, you know, part of that, I think, is healthy uh, and it's good to have that kind of debate. Uh, and But I think it, it boils down to, you know, we've got so many members of Congress, maybe north of 60 percent of our Republican conference that are, have been in Congress only a couple terms and really uh, haven't learned how to be effective and how the system works. Um, because, you know, it's when I when my career in football peaked at AG Middle School here in Charlotte, um, I, go learned, Bulldogs. Yeah, go Bulldogs. Um, I learned that you don't win games by throwing a three Hail Marys and punting every time um, you've got to you've got to make first downs. And and I think that's frustrating to people who run for Congress to change the country. They get there and say, all right, let's you know, let's fight. Uh, but but I want to fight and win. Yeah. And sometimes getting first downs gets you. Uh, to where you want to be much more effectively than throwing Hail Marys every time. And and so that that's really continues to be the debate. You know, do, do we shut down the government to make a point about the open border? Uh, that sounds like a great idea until you think that through. And how does that end? How do we come out of that shutdown? And what policy objectives have we achieved at the end of that? And, uh, and, and so it's really not a great idea. And so the, these are the kind of discussions we have. It is frustrating. Uh, but the good news is we all want to make the country better. And, and so I'm, I believe at the end of the day, we'll come together and, and make the right decision. So how do you get the cooler heads to to prevail? Because you're right that, that at the end of the day, you want what's best for the country. What about the people that are ready to throw that Hail Mary? How do you convince them as the quarterback, you know, to come in and say, hey, we actually need to be thinking not just about the press headline, but about every single person that this impacts. Well, it's not just the Hail Mary. It's also, uh, if we're lose, using 
another uh, you know football uh, anecdote yeah, here. I couldn't think of another well, football anecdote. It's, yeah, it's, well, Hail, Hail Mary's going for it all out yeah, of the yeah, gate, yeah. but you also have some people who uh, you get the first down and want to go say, you know, give the big first down signal and say, I did that, I did that. Right, and right. and I, I think what I hear you saying is you've got to have the people behind the scenes that aren't, you know, you know, lunging for the spotlight who are making things happen as well. No, I think that's true. And, and you know, I really believe we've got a, a group of Republicans in Congress who love their country, who are doing this for the right reasons. Um, I think we're going to continue to be effective. Um, but again, we just uh, we keep we keep having these you know, airings of our dirty laundry in the front yard where all the neighbors can see it. So it just it looks messy. It feels messy. Uh, but but if you look at what we've achieved, we've done what we said we were going to do. And, um, you know, we're going to we're going to find a way to, to get through the, the, the current spending mess we're in so we can start the next one which uh, which begins next month so how would you describe the dynamic working with johnson as your as your leader versus mccarthy well i'm very close to to speaker johnson um as i was to, to speaker mccarthy I, and i think what happened to the speaker mccarthy was a travesty i think it was a huge mistake to throw him out i think he was doing a good job for the american people um so I, I really hate that that happened. But but Mike Johnson, and I've been friends since he got to Congress. He's one of the most thoughtful, most intelligent people I know. He's a constitutional lawyer. Uh, he's a man of deep faith. Um, he's someone who, when he was vice chair of our conference, which is one of the lower positions in leadership uh, in, in our meetings, was often the one who would stand up and remind us what the constitutional principle was that we were we were should be focused on. And, and so he was. He was someone who, who uh, we all respected very much. Didn't see it coming that he was going to be the next speaker, but but thank God he is. I, I think he's doing a tremendous job. He's, you know, again, someone who's very humble, someone who's not looking for the spotlight for himself, but trying to help the team be successful. And I think uh, the process he's he's been leading us through, which is a whole lot of discussions. You know, best question: How do you get through uh, disagreements like this? The way we've done it is we get in a room and talk. And we get small groups uh, that are cross sections of our conference together and talk, and, uh, and and just try to get to an understanding where where each side can understand where the other one's coming, and and ultimately remind us that uh, you know, our goal is to change the direction of this country on behalf of the American people. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WBT. News Talk 1110 WBT. On this Tuesday, we have U.S. Congressman Richard Hudson. D9 in studio with us this hour and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, of course, uh, Iowa last night, President Trump gets a convincing win. You have to say that 51 percent got what he was looking for last night. Uh, Nikki Haley finishes third. She's on her way to New Hampshire now. Ron DeSantis is going to skip New Hampshire, head straight to South Carolina. We've talked a lot about uh, what happened on the Republican side. And of course, there were no Democratic caucuses last night. Those have been moved to March. But I do want to talk uh, for a minute here about what happens in the general election, because uh, it looks like it's going to be Trump. Quite frankly, it looks like it's going to be a repeat of, of the last go round. And uh, Congressman, as it relates to Biden, I, I think people are watching the Democratic race and they see Trump and they see Biden. Um, and, and even though they're not that far away from each other age wise, I think it's I mean, it's not even arguable that Trump looks <laughs> he, he looks a, a little more up for the task physically than Biden does. Biden's just had some moments over the last several years where you wonder, um, you know, the age factor to finish out this term is one thing. But 
going forward, what are your thoughts on on the you mentioned earlier, you said uh, you can't control the Democrat in the White House. What about the Democrat in the White House and what about a second term for Biden? Well, I think if you look at the poll numbers nationally, the American people have made up their mind about President Biden and, and they don't like his policies. They think he's making their lives harder, making them less safe. Their neighborhoods are less safe. Um, and poll after poll, his job approval is very low. If you look on the issues, American people trust Republicans more than, than Democrats on the economy, on safety in their neighborhoods. Um, but but if and, and then you look at this wide open border. I mean, you know, thousands of people every day coming across illegally. Uh, people, you know, the, the people that were that, that come in and surrender and, and want to claim asylum is one thing. But it's the people, the getaways, the two million that we know came across that we don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. We know among them are terrorists. Uh, it's terrifying to people. And, and then you look at the fentanyl coming across. There was a story um, in Fayetteville the other day. A, a man was arrested with 1,600 fentanyl pills mm. with rainbow colored. And so you know those were targeted for children. Um, the American people are sick of it. And, and so if this, if, this is a, if this rematch that looks like it's going to be uh, is about policy, then President Trump's going to win running away with it. Um, you know, the Democrats are going to try to make it about personality. They're going to talk about Trump's mean tweets, you know, all these other things they're going to try to make this election about. Um, but but if it's about policy, if it's about uh, is your, was your life better off in you know, February of, of 2020 or is it better off today, uh, then, then I think uh, President Trump's going to win. Now, one of the other things when it comes to security, and this is a big issue for you, so I wanted to get your take on it, the security of our grids. This has been something that we have dealt with here in our state because we had people that came in and shot up some grids in, in different areas of our state. What is what is it that, that you're working to do to secure something like that? I mean, it's been a discussion even here on the show after um, the big Netflix movie that came out, you know, the Leave the World Behind, where an attack comes in that affects just our basic way of life, things like power, things like access to the Internet. These are things that you like to focus on. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I now live in Moore County in Southern Pines, and, and a year ago, December, we had an attack of our power grid, and, and we were without a power for five, six days, and it was devastating to our community. Um, and, you know, think about folks who who require electricity to power their oxygen machines or, you know, folks that need to keep insulin cold. Um, you know, it, it was winter, so in that case, you could put it outside, I guess. But um, but but it was a very scary time. It was uh, devastating to businesses. Um, you know, fortunately, our hospital had a backup generator, and, and, and our healthcare system wasn't impacted. Um, but but it, it showed us how vulnerable our power grid is to an attack. Uh, this was a well-planned attack by someone who was a very good shot and knew exactly where to shoot. Um, it was not you know somebody who drank too many beers and decided to shoot up a power station. This was this was a planned attack, very well executed, very sophisticated, um, and. And so I've been working uh, to, to, to try to strengthen our grid, to try to ask fundamental questions about what we need to do to, to keep our community safe. Um, I, I had a, our, I'm on the Energy and Commerce Committee that has jurisdiction over this, and, and I, I got our committee to come down and actually do a hearing in Moore County, and we got to hear from the locals about the impact. We got to hear from Duke Energy, uh, who, who did a tremendous job. Um, they had people out in the freezing cold working 24-7 to get this substation back working. So they were real heroes in this. But but trying to understand the scale of this problem. And, and for me, the question was, what if what if it wasn't one or two substations? What if it was 10 or 12? What if it was well-coordinated to take out an entire region? Uh, and and because of the lack of, of uh, 
pieces of equipment that you need to, to repair these substations and, and back up uh, pieces to replace the ones that were shot. Uh, because the delay in time it takes to get those, I mean, if, 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 you, if you took out enough, we could be without power for months. And, and now you're talking about a lot of loss of life and a real challenge. And so um, one of the things I've done is, is in this year's energy water appropriations bill, I got $1.6 billion to strengthen our grid and to uh, stockpile supplies and do the things we need to do to, to try to be prepared for this again. Uh, but but this is this is a, a fundamental question that that we haven't really wrapped our hands around completely is is uh, is how vulnerable our grid is. But we're going to continue to make steps to improve it um, to make it a less attractive target for potential terrorists, whether it be foreign or domestic, uh, to to try to make sure we keep our folks safe. Back at it here in the Tyboid Studio. One final segment here with U.S. Congressman Richard Hudson, District Nine, longtime member of Congress. I want to talk about uh, some of these other races in North Carolina before we're done. But we did have a caller a few minutes ago. Yeah, that's what I love about this show is people are listening and they're thinking, oh, this is a great way for me to talk directly to the to the congressman. This caller wanted to ask specifically, and you touched on this a little bit, um, a little bit earlier in the hour, the fentanyl crisis and that there's such an overwhelming amount of fentanyl that is reaching um, students, uh, people who are addicts, that, that, that this is a, a crisis that some people don't understand the severity because of, of, of how much access there is to this suddenly, um, whether it be because through the southern border or, 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 or people right here in our country. No, it's, it's the fentanyl crisis is, is a devastating crisis here in this country. Um, and fentanyl, it's, it's, for folks who don't know what it is, it's a very dangerous drug. Um, it does have some legitimate purposes, but uh, the Chinese Communist Party of China started shipping uh, fentanyl to America, and, and the drug cartels were using it to lace other drugs because it makes it more addictive, and, and it makes you want to come back and get that drug. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an edge in competition with other drug dealers, and so they started lacing drugs with it. And so, you know, back when I was a student here in Charlotte, you know, my parents told me stay away from drugs because they're bad for you. Right. Um, but if but if I took one pill, I wasn't I wasn't worried about dying. That, that's the case now. Uh, I've talked to so many parents of children who you know they say, you know, please don't stop calling a fentanyl overdose because my kid wasn't taking fentanyl and took too much. My kid took one pill they thought was you know something like Molly and it had fentanyl in it and they died from one pill. Uh, it is it is such a dangerous drug, and now the cartels are making it in Mexico. Uh, the Chinese are still supplying a lot of the, the the components for it, but but it's flooding across our southern border, and and it's flooding into every city, every town in America. You know, I mentioned uh, just this week uh, someone was arrested in Fayetteville with sixteen hundred pills that were rainbow colored. They were obviously marketed to children. They look like candy. They look like candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a uh, concern right after Halloween, uh, a school in Southern Virginia where five kids had to be rushed to the hospital because they had fentanyl-laced gummy bears. Um, fortunately, those kids lived, but but so many are dying from this. And and it's again, it's just one of the the problems with having a wide open southern border where the cartels can bring across anything they want, anytime they want. They control our border. We don't. You're the NRCC chair. Uh, we've talked about some congressional races. I do want to ask you about two North Carolina races. We've got about a minute and a half here, but I'm just curious, just some uh, some real quick thoughts on this governor's race where you have, you know, you've got Dale Falwell, you've got Mark Robinson, now Bill Graham's in the race on the GOP side, and one of those three will likely take on Josh Stein. 
Well, Josh Stein's one of the uh, most liberal extremist politicians we've got in the state. I think he's been a disaster as attorney general. And, and so I think any one of those Republicans you mentioned will, will, will be able to beat him in the general election. We've got a very vigorous primary, uh, and I'm officially staying out of it. But I think it's likely our lieutenant governor will be the next uh, nominee for governor. And uh, there are many years when people don't even know who's running for attorney general. And now this year, Dan Bishop versus Jeff Jackson is is the Clash likely match. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? Get your popcorn ready, right? No, this will be great. You know, they're both uh, very capable politicians, both very smart, both very effective. Uh, you know, I'm obviously with Dan Bishop. I think uh, he will be one of the best attorney generals in America. Um, he's he's a, a strong conservative, a very smart lawyer. And I think he'll be an outstanding attorney general. But that race uh, will probably be the most expensive race in the history of the state for attorney general. And uh, and uh, get your popcorn ready. And really quickly, some of the down ticket races as the chairman of the NRCC, you're thinking about maintaining control of the House. Uh, how do those down ticket races look? Well, I'm very excited about our prospects for growing this House majority because of the polling, because of where the American people are, but also because our focus has been on picking up seats that Joe Biden can win uh, by having a strong candidate who's a woman, a minority, a veteran, someone with a compelling life story, the kind of people you actually want in Congress. And we've recruited folks all across the country, like uh, Prasanth Reddy, who immigrated from India as a child. He's a cancer doc, joined the Air Force after 9-11. Very exciting. Allison Esposito, New York 18. She's a former NYPD detective. Uh, She was the the 22 uh, nominee for lieutenant governor in the state of New York. Very exciting candidate. Uh, George Logan in Connecticut, first-generation American. Parents immigrated from Guatemala, uh, former state senator. Uh, Kevin Lincoln in California, he's Hispanic, African-American, Republican mayor of a Democrat city of Stockton. Uh, he's a Marine, beautiful family. I mean, I could go on and on. We've got candidates like this across the country. Uh, I believe we're going to grow our House majority. And we have a, uh, a six-way GOP debate for District 8 in North Carolina coming up on the 31st at uh, Wingate University. So uh, things are heating up. Iowa last night, I mean, that's the, that's the first real uh, – we're first, in it now. The, the first horses are out of the gate. And so it's uh, it's always great to have a U.S. congressman in studio with us for an hour. We thank you, uh, Richard Hudson. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Love to do it anytime. Thanks for having me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Me. mind if I do. He's here in the studio, rocking and rolling, Brett Jensen, Tuesday, January 16th, morning after the Iowa caucuses. And by the way, later this hour, uh, we will jump on the phone with Mick Mulvaney, uh, fresh off the Iowa caucuses. Uh, He's been uh, reporting for News Nation today and get his thoughts on what happened. I want to get Brett Jensen's thoughts on what happened in just a moment, though. But uh, you just recently wrapped a big interview that's going to air on WBT later this week. Yeah, so it's probably going to do a, be a two-parter. Um, I, after you know, essentially eight months of trying, mm-hmm. um, was granted extreme access with Dr. Crystal Hill and the superintendent of CMS. Um, and so we 
had a nice sit down and it was you know i i i'm not even joking i finished the re- the uh the interview got in the car and drove straight here like it, that's how recent it just was and so, so my first question to you is mm-hmm. Based on your recent interview with her, do you believe there'll be a second interview with her? <laughs> yes. I, um, I was I was concerned. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it took a lot of pulling teeth for me to get a sit down with Ernest Winston. And I think I was one of only three people that he spoke to extensively. Um, and ever did a one-on-one sit-down with. And Dr. Hill and I, you know, I wasn't sure if it was ever going to come to fruition um, because there are a lot of people, not saying it's Dr. Hill, but there are a lot of people within CMS and the CMS school board and others who, this may come as a surprise to you guys, aren't exactly big fans of mine. Well, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. And and, and that... uh... I think that's a fair question. I mean, a lot of people know that uh, one of the reasons you are who you are, you break a lot of news, but you're known around town as a guy who's not afraid to ask tough questions. And every news organization needs that guy. And uh, so so we're happy to have that guy. But I also know that sometimes by asking said questions, it uh, you know, it's, it's one and done. Now, you know, if somebody's one and done, then I have less respect for the person on the receiving end than I do the one asking the questions. But uh, that's that was my first thought. OK, I know how long you've been after this. Uh, I know some of the things you've reported over the last year. Uh, I wonder how contentious it was. Uh, and was it the kind of thing where you both left amicably and said, uh, we'll do this again sometime? Yeah, you know, it wasn't contentious. And I, I the first half, there weren't really any hard questions. I mean, there were, I mean, there were some, but I mean, some questions that needed to be asked, but they weren't like, I've never been gotcha journalism. That's never been my M.O. I'm the guy that people will go, and this actually happened here locally, and it happened in sports when I was doing sports. It would be like um, there, was a, there was a local TV reporter that actually came up to me and said, hey, do me a favor, ask Governor Cooper this question since I know that you'll ask it. And a local TV reporter asked me to do that. It was not me. And that's happened in sports. Hey, what, did, what did you say to the guy? And I said, well, actually, it was a female. Okay, what did you say and to I the said, I said. I said, well, I said that, I said, oddly enough, I was planning on to ask something very similar to that in that same realm because it had nothing to do with the reason he was in town. And I was going to ask a different question. And this was after he started taking my questions again, mm. obviously, not during the, the boycott, the 14-month boycott. Um, so, no, but so getting back to Dr. Hill, you know, I asked some really hard questions today. I think I asked questions that she was very surprised that I had the information because here's the thing very few times do i ask a question that i don't know already know the answer because i want to see if you're going to lie to me i want to see if you're going to tell the truth i i've got the data i've got the spreadsheets i have like so when i brought some of this stuff up today this morning with dr hill it was um i, I think she was surprised by some of the stuff that i that i had um you know including a a 60-page audit done about the operation system, um, including spreadsheets in the finance department. Yeah, I mean, people don't, like, I'm not your typical, like, 
you do your research. I do. I don't. I'm not going in for the 45 second soundbite. Right, right, right. Uh, that's just never. And, but, but at the same point, well, that's the great thing about our format as yes. well. That's different than yes. television news. Is we you're not putting together a minute 30 package. You can air this entire interview. And exactly, which um, I plan to do most of it. Yeah, I have to go through and listen to everything. But yeah, so it's um, it was good, and um, at the very very end. We had a we had a nice exchange. And Did you I, hug? Did you hug? No, no, we shook hands. We shook hands. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, the previous superintendent, Ernest Winston, for all the amount of grief that I gave him, you know, the last time I interviewed him, he gave me a bro hug. I love the bro hug. You know, and I so like when, I like to watch you. Guys so no, do but that. the last thing I uh, last thing I said to uh, Dr. Hill as she was walking out the room, I was like, "See, I told you, I don't bite." And she said, "Don't worry, I don't either." I said, "Okay." So, but I asked a lot of hard questions, but I gotcha. Journalism has never been my MO. That, that's never, I'm not the one jumping out of the bushes with a TV camera. That's never been me, ever. I will ask you hard questions straight to your face, and most times I will know the answer when I ask. Again, just to see if you're telling the truth. Now, sometimes after people will finish their interview with you, they, won't, they may go hide in the bushes. <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're yeah, not. Yeah, I a- don't know. She, she handled herself well. Did you come away impressed? Were you impressed? Yeah, I, the very first time I saw her speak at a press conference, I went up to her and I said, you do this extremely well for someone who has no experience doing this. Talking about dealing with the media and publicly speaking at press conferences. That's a funny kind of like backhanded compliment. No, no, I said, but no, because <laughs> she had, it was like her, it was a matter of fact, it was her first day on the job. And I said, for someone who's never had to talk to the media, you do this extremely well. And so, um, you know, and she even referenced that at some point about that little exchange that we had. Oh, so, so she remembered the conversation. She did. She did. And so. You can you know, catch more flies with honey. <laughs> the, uh, the, backhanded, the backhanded compliment. A, a, cousin, no. a cousin to the humble bread. <laughs> yeah, right. That's actually pretty good. Uh, so, no, but it was good. Look, we had a great time. I asked some questions that needed to be answered or answered, asked and answered. And then she also. Um, you know, to her credit, she didn't shy away. She didn't. She didn't get upset. I. I think maybe I annoyed her once or twice. Maybe. Yeah, but that's just you. It is. <laughs> I do that without even interviewing people. I do that when so I walk in the so studio every Tuesday. So you're Beth's saying like, there's uh, going to be a sequel, huh? Yeah, so Ben's like, oh god, here's Brett again. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, here's Brett again. So no, it was good. So I think, let's say, if I want to do this in a year from now. I don't think it would be an issue. Like, but things like this, you know, when you get the one sit downs, it's not a, it's it's one, a maybe a once a year thing, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And we did this on the one year anniversary of her being named superintendent. Well, there you go. So I wanted to do a State of the Union. And it will debut uh, soon on the Brett on the uh, Brett Jensen Breaking with Brett Jensen show, long form, seven o'clock weeknights on WBT. <laughs> 9.22, Bo and Beth and Brett Jensen. We're just talking about a big interview he just wrapped with the CMS superintendent, Crystal Hill. Been working on this one for a while, and uh, that will be debuting on Breaking with Brett Jensen in the coming days. So congratulations on that one. You've been, you've been, you've been going after that one for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and, and honestly, you know, Maybe despite some of the things that she may have been told to do or not do, or, or not told, I should say advised, to speak with me or not speak with me, she did, to her credit. And she sat down and 
you know, there was there were no topics off limits. Speaking of interviews done by Brett Jensen, I want to uh, highlight a moment of another one. The last 18 months. Can you even begin to describe what has transpired over the last 18 months? No, because I never would have imagined that it would be necessary to. Uh, it blows my mind. You know, you think about the platform you're able to build uh, and the impact that you're able to have and the relationships that, that you maintain and form simply for saying men and women are different. Uh, it, it, like I said, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, I never could have prepared for this. This, of course, is never something I wanted to do, even still. Um, but you see a need, and you're willing to fight for, for the need that you see, especially when you see people in powerful positions, leadership positions, who aren't willing to do so. Uh, so never could have imagined this, but here we are. Well, you've become the face, the poster child, if you will, of trying to protect women's rights in athletics, and you've also become the poster child of being, you know, an, or transphobic. <laughs> it's both of those things, and your, your response in Capitol Hill, well, if I'm transphobic, then you're a misogynist, <laughs> and that gained a lot in national recognition right there. Did you have that particular statement just waiting to use it, or did it just come to you naturally? So I, I wasn't prepared to use that by any means. Um, I, of course, was sat on the other end. I was on the witness table, and Ranking Member Lee, a Democrat representative from Pennsylvania, she starts reading her opening monologue. Uh, and in the, the first sentence she says, is she says, you know, I can't believe I'm forced to sit here and listen to this transphobic bigotry. And it hit me in that moment. I mean, I was really like, truthfully, I was heartbroken because, I mean, this is the beating heart of American democracy, really the Republic, uh, Congress. And I just got called a transphobic bigot by a sitting member of Congress. I mean, what a sad, really a sad thought. But it hit me in that moment. Why is it that being pro-woman is immediately deemed anti-trans? And by their own logic, wouldn't being pro-trans inherently be anti-woman? And what do we call someone who's anti-blatantly obvious at that anti-woman is we call them a misogynist. And so if we're going to do the whole name-calling thing, and I'm not saying I'm trying to stoop to their levels, but if, if that's really what we're going to do, then by her own standards, she's a misogynist. Riley Gaines, uh, you had a, a sit-down with her last week, only one in town, while she was in town. And uh, again, Riley uh, is very passionate about uh, trans males not being allowed to compete against females in sports. And here we are in Olympic year, so it's even going to take a, a, a bigger stage than it normally would. But um, if you want to hear that whole interview, you can go and listen to the podcast of, of your Thursday show last week. Yeah, and I will tell you this. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect going in. And she's 23, 24 years old. Yeah, she's in her early 20s. Because, uh, I mean, she just graduated college a year ago, year and a half ago, and was an academic, um, you know, an all-SEC academic, like close to being like an academic All-American. She's got, you know, SEC records, and she's completed in the Olympic trials, extreme, like still holds conference records. And I wasn't sure what to expect because it's like, okay, a 23, 24-year-old, and within the first 30 seconds, I knew this was not your typical 23, 24-year-old. And I can tell you of all the thousands of people that I've interviewed in my career, and it's been in the thousands, she's probably in the top five of the most impressive people that I've ever interviewed. I, I, was, I left that interview pretty much in shell shock at how good she is and how bright she is 
and just how how well put together she is in terms of her structure and her brain thoughts and her she doesn't go um uh uh like she doesn't say like every other word exactly you just you hear her just going through and it's like this is not your normal person who went from obscurity yeah uh, people in the swim community knew who she was but relative obscurity to national prominence to being held hostage at San Francisco State University. Well, she got thrust into the spotlight, and, and not because she wanted necessarily to be, and because of her willingness to articulate ideas on a very complex issue society-wise, yep. you know, because people do fall on, on different sides of this of this issue, and she articulates, um, she, she's thoughtful about it. She's not trying to be unkind. So I can honestly say that was one of my, because people ask me all the time, oh, who's your favorite person that you've ever interviewed or whatever? This will definitely rank right up there. And I can say that going forward when people ask me that question now, because she was one of my favorites. And so I got her for, I did a 30-minute segment with her on my show. Riley Gaines. So the interview is there. You can pod, you can listen to the podcast at WBT.com. And again, uh, Crystal Hill, that interview will be heard later this week. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110 WBT, the morning after the Iowa caucuses. Question last night was not whether Trump would win, but how much would he win by? He got over 50%, 51%. So it's now off to New Hampshire, a great place. We won it last time, and uh, we won it both times. And uh, we love it. The people are great. But you know, the truth is the people in our country are great. They're all great. uh, We love Iowa, but they're all great. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at all over the world. They're laughing at us and they want our country to come back. They want America, you know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA make America great again. 51%, Ron DeSantis at 21%, Nikki Haley 19 and former presidential candidate now, Vivek Ramaswamy at 7%. Bowen Beth here, we got Jensen in the house as well and on the WBT hotline, Mick Mulvaney, former White House chief of staff and a contributor now for News Nation and I know he was uh, he's been talking to them all morning and reacting to this. Uh, thanks for joining us. So what are you thinking here on the day after the first big battle? Yeah, I thought it was uh, a big win for Trump in a variety of ways. Of course, the top line message is that he got over that 50 percent that uh, we talked about yesterday on the show. That was critical, sort of puts to bed any sort of murmuring about uh, weakness that he might have. Uh, you might have had that murmuring if he had you know, won with 42 or 44 percent, so 52 percent pretty darn good on the top line. But I got to tell you, the thing that I'm not hearing much out of folks um, in sort of the chattering class today is how Trump, how pleased Trump must be with the fact that DeSantis finished second. Um, We talked yesterday about how close it would be for second and third, and that if if DeSantis had come in third, he probably would have had to drop out. Uh, Would he overperform? Turns out he did overperform a little bit, not by the 10 or 12 points that Ted Cruz did um, in 2016, but by a couple points and, and snuck into second, whereas polling had him third going into the weekend. 
What does that mean? Well, it means he's not going away. What does that mean? Well, it means it's a three-way race. What does that mean? That means that Donald Trump uh, will continue to face uh, fractured opposition, um, not so much in New Hampshire, because uh, DeSantis is not going to New Hampshire, but into South Carolina and Super Tuesday, DeSantis won't be going away anytime soon. So there won't be that opportunity for the anti-Trump uh, vote to sort of coalesce behind Nikki Haley. And I got to tell you, uh, Donald Trump has got to be looking his hand over this morning going, uh, I didn't do that on purpose. I, I didn't have that extra 2,000 people vote for DeSantis. But if I did, um, I would have been a genius. So. Well, you called it that you said that you thought DeSantis would come in second yesterday when we had this conversation. And were you surprised by the fact that he didn't overperform more, given that he did have the same crew uh, working that, that, that helped Ted Cruz back in 2016? You know, there's going to be all sorts of folks, not second-guessing, but sort of trying to break down and looking to read the tea leaves as to why certain people didn't do as well as they were supposed to or why they didn't do better than they were supposed to. Or, uh, and on DeSantis, you know, I got to think that that early call might have made a difference, that, you know, maybe he gets an extra two or three points. Maybe Nikki Haley does a little bit better. You know, if you're, if you're a Ron DeSantis person, uh, and you're waiting in line at 7:30 and 30 degree below windshield, and you hear that Donald Trump has already been declared the winner. Might you go home? Yeah, um, I, I certainly think that has an impact on the race. I was very disappointed with that. As a lot of folks were to have um, have the major networks, I think it was the Associated Press, Fox, etc., call the race as early as they did. Again, the, the, the issue was not whether or not Donald Trump was ever going to win. I mean, you could have called the race on on Friday for that. <laughs> the issue was whether or not you know what second or third, but to sort of try and or have the impact of maybe maybe um, depressing turnout a little bit. Only about 110,000 people voted, which is really, really low. There's a variety of reasons for that, but you got to wonder if the media didn't play a role in it. Okay, so another big story last night. Ramaswamy is out. And so I will stick to the truth tonight. The first hard truth, and this one's hard for me. i got to admit this. But we've looked at it every which way. And I think it is true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. And I think that that's just a hard fact that we're going to have to accept as a campaign. And the question then is, what do we do that is right for our country? And so Purv and I, we, we actually didn't make this contingency plan before everybody told us to. We said, no, we're not doing that. But we talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And he went on to say that he wholeheartedly endorses President Trump and will do everything he can to help Trump get elected. Uh, were you, did you have Ramaswamy uh, ending his campaign on your bingo card last night? Uh, yeah, I did. In fact, we had Ramaswamy on the Hill television program last night uh, with a live interview uh, about, I guess it was probably about 530 and we got a chance to ask him, you know, um, if you lose tonight, are you dropping out? He goes, absolutely not. We're going on. We're going on to New Hampshire, going to South Carolina. We sort of had that. I was waiting for that Howard Dean yell at the end. Um, and, and as soon as he dropped off the interview, we all looked at each other on the panel and said, there's no way this guy's sticking around. 
So um, wait, 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 hang on, hang on, one second. You ask for it, you get it. <laughs> so yeah, listen, I, I enjoyed Vic's campaign. Um, he, he was fun to watch. He had some wonderful takedowns of some of the media, especially clearly up a a, a a a gifted orator. And face it, it was somebody that nobody knew about. Uh, ever, who just got, you know, 8% um, in the Iowa caucuses, which is 8% more than you or I got. So it, it, it's, it's an accomplishment. There's no question. But no one's surprised he's dropping out. No one's surprised that he's, he's endorsing Donald Trump. I think he was really, we asked him last night on the TV program if he, if he saw that attack from Trump coming. And he tried to blame it on staffers and so forth. But I, that sent a message from the Trump team, including from Trump himself, that Vivek, you're taking votes away from us and only us. Um, you need to get out of the way, and uh, we'll have to talk to you about the cabinet position later on. But it's time for you to go. That was the that was a veiled message in that uh, tweet over the uh, over the weekend. So you basically just said it there. You believe that the that the Vivex supporters will all go toward Donald Trump. That they don't uh, splinter off and maybe maybe support somebody like DeSantis. No, I think the polling actually backs that up. Again, we've done some decent uh, polling at News Nation. You did drill down into the details and you start asking people about their favorite second choice and so forth. Boring questions that only sort of commentators pay attention to. And the overwhelming majority of Vivex supporters will now go on to Trump. Maybe a couple to DeSantis, very, very few to Haley. Um, so again, but come back to the larger picture. You know, if, if DeSantis finishes third, it's, a, it's effectively a Trump uh, versus Haley race, all of the VEC supporters probably go to Trump. Maybe a good chunk of the DeSantis supporters go to Haley. Maybe they split. You never know. Um, but at least it, it, the, the race starts to sort of uh, the, the lanes get a lot clearer, and that's not going to happen now. You're going to continue to have a three-way race, and while Donald Trump is polling above 50 percent, which is fantastic, he doesn't have to do 50 percent um, because a lot of these states coming up are winner-take-all. So even if you know 35 or 40 percent, which clearly he's exceeding right now, um, he's going to be the nominee. Okay, well, we'll talk to you on New Hampshire Eve, which is uh, this coming Monday, because a week from today will be the New Hampshire primary. So uh, off and running, uh, you know, we, we all, all us political junkies live for this. So let's see what happens. <laughs> see you all on Monday. Oh, boy. Can't wait till I see Vince Coakley again. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. That was funny. I, I have gotten to the point... And look, I can be, I can admit this about myself. I'll say things sometimes and I won't hear myself say them until I listen back in the podcast. Oh, well, we all do that where you think you've said one thing and something else has come out of your mouth because I, I did it this morning. I was talking about um, the, the host of the Emmys. Uh, now, now his name is completely you gone. You said Ken. I said Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Like I said, I, said, I, I remember everything that I say. You, it was Anthony Anderson. It's Anthony Anderson, and I said Kevin Anderson, and it was because I was looking at a message that came through from one of our listeners, Kevin Warren, in the exact moment that I was saying his name, and I said Kevin Anderson, who is a person that I know, but so then it just all got wonky, but I didn't realize I had said it. And it's one of those weird human things that your brain thinks you've said one thing and your mouth says something completely the, well, different. Well, the worst part is, is when I will go, like, that exact same thing. And I don't listen to all my shows, but there are certain things that I want to re-listen to. And all of a sudden I'll go back, you know, like on the podcast and stuff. So I don't need to re-listen to it because I, I'm the one who said it, you know, but I was there when it happened. But I'll go back and I was, like, trying to explain something and then realize in my brain I've explained it and I've jumped five steps ahead on something that's like, well, that makes no sense whatsoever, what just came out of my mouth. Great. Awesome. 
Way to go, Brett. Nice job. Mm-hmm. Like, I do we that all. We all do it. Yeah. We all do it. It's yeah. part of being human. Keeps us humble. But the funniest thing about that moment yesterday about uh, Vince McMahon, where I said Vince Coakley instead, is the authority with which I said it. Oh. Vince Coakley was a pioneer. <laughs> in, in WWE wrestling. And I know that you saw the look on my face because my eyes got as big as saucers. I was like, what? Vince Coakley? I, uh, in between his radio and television anchoring careers. Uh, could you find two people more diametrically opposed than Vince McMahon and Vince Coakley? Right. <laughs> You're right on that. Oh, that's I, the fun of this show. Oh, I know. It's I, definitely not scripted. Last week one day, listening back to the podcast, last week one day we were talking about the crazy weather in January, and I very emphatically said, right here in July, and none of y'all caught it. So that's one thing for me or, or one of us to to uh, to get something wrong. But then there's sometimes when none of us in the room even notice. You or, said or, July, or, or maybe they're just trying to be polite. Yeah, I don't want to correct well, him. If, that's, if <laughs> that's the case, if Beth that's jumps the... in to correct you all the time. <laughs> Wait, me or Jensen? Uh, both. Really. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a good point to uh, close on. I think. Thank you to Congressman Richard Hudson, who joined us earlier. Mick Mulvaney, of course, today. Brett Jensen in the house. Got uh, that interview you want to check out with Riley Gaines at WBT.com and also uh, the big one with Crystal Hill coming up. We have, don't forget, on Thursday, Bill Graham will be in studio with us for a full hour. Oh, wow. For a big deal. That's right. That'll do it for the Tuesday edition. You guys have a great day. Vince Coakley next. Next.